Welcome to the Cultivated Grace Podcast with Will and Kate Purvis. Listen in weekly as we teach you how to live by faith and receive all the benefits Jesus died and rose from the grave to give you. Join us as we dig into God's Word and plant seeds of faith through real-life application. All right, welcome back. This is our second go-around. This is 002 (laughs) of the Cultivated Grace podcast today. After much deliberation, heated deliberation, (laughs) we have decided to talk about uh, God being with you, in you, those type things. Probably a little bit different approach than what some folks might be accustomed to, you know, um, we run in circles that, you know, God living in you is that it gives you the power uh, to to live life victoriously and stuff like that. And that's a good one. But what <laughs> we'll I write that down. Yeah, we'll write that down. Uh, but what I'd really like to talk about today is how God is in you and uh, what that actually means about for your relationship with him and uh and and what the difference between as being a believer, as a Christian, as a born-again person, especially if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, um, you know, what that means and how that differs from other religions and how they believe and all of that about God and, and everything. So let's get that puppy fired up. Um, first of all, thank you, Kate, for pushing and making all this stuff work and, you know, getting to know people. Uh <laughs> to uh, pursue your dreams and then how that affects me and benefits me and allows me to kind of do some of the things that I normally probably wouldn't take the brain space to do, like start a podcast. So here we go. Um, in other religions, right, they, they, uh, God is always external for them. And they're always trying to... Now, if you don't know about this podcast, this is a podcast that's going to teach you a lot about faith, how to believe God, and how that applies to your, how, how the Bible applies to your life from that standpoint, you know, just kind of that, just the baseline right there. So, but other religions, they call them faiths, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I remember when George W. Uh, used to say, you know, it, my faith is what makes me stronger, and my faith this and my faith that. And then Obama would be like, my faith this and my faith that. And then the, uh, who was the next guy? Trump would be, <laughs> my faith would be <laughs> who this. Was the next guy? Yeah. So <laughs> we're not going to get too political. But what I remember about that is, and I'm like, yes, these that's what people call their religion people is say, their faith. Nobody yeah, wants to say religion my no more. faith. Well, it's like their belief system. Yes. Which that could be anything. You know, it but is like literally just anything. what they when they talk about my, you know, well, my faith is this and my faith is that they they might as well. What they mean is my religion is this, but religion doesn't have the the uh, politically correct. It doesn't sound it's as not nice. It's not like political correctness. It doesn't it doesn't get the butt kissing in there. You know what I'm saying? When you say religion you don't get the butt kissing. If you say my faith, it kind of like makes everybody like, oh. It is, it's like a. That's what they're, their faith. Yeah, that's the what sugar coating. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, it's a sugar coating. So you're saying, what were you saying? 
In other faiths, God is external. Well, what I was saying is, is like it, it was when I started hearing faith in a coming out of somebody that was more of a uh, not like at church or in a in a church type setting. They would say their faith, and it was just always kind of shocked me. You know, when I heard them say that, because they were using terminologies that I was very familiar with, but but talking about, it did not mean the right. same thing. Like the word spiritual. I'm very spiritual. Yeah, I'm very spiritual. What you mean is, is you're very spiritual with no accountability. So you can be spiritual about anything. <laughs> Getting that picture in the, the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. Jacques Clouseau. He's in the house where the Pope, what is, I don't even know, what is the house where the Pope lives? The Vatican. The Vatican, thank you. And he's like, I am very spiritual. Feeling very spiritual, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like, anyway, so... Other religions, not necessarily other faiths, because I and you're so hung up on. Listen, <laughs> it's serious because the Bible talks about how without uh, faith, it's impossible to please God. Sure. But you can't just be faith. have no willy nilly faith, you right. know. It's faith in God. It's faith in God and the faith in the true God, the one God and His Son Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. When they say my faith, but they mean Islam or my faith, and they mean Judaism, and then my faith, and they believe, and they they mean it's like saying witchcraft or whatever. Yeah, my truth. It's just whatever goes, you know. So anyway, uh, we're talking in other religions. Okay, all God is always outside. He's always something that you're trying to reach toward, or. He's something, someone you're trying to please externally. You know, I've got to do this for God. I've got to do that for God. And you hear a lot of that in Christianity, too. And I'm beginning to rethink a lot of things as far as that goes. But, you know, they're, they're always trying to make a sacrifice or uh, do some sort of penance or, or something to get to God because he's so hard to break through that firmament to get to God, right? You know, so you can't, God's not close to you. You know, he's not, uh, he's somewhere out there, and we've got to do X, Y, and Z to get to him. Right, to get closer to him. You know, but in Christ, God is in you. You know, in, in the last few chapters of John, or like what, 14 through 17, 18, Jesus talks much about how, those that keeps his the the ones that keep his word, which is to believe in him, that is the commandment to believe in him. If you keep his word, he said, I'll make my abode with you, and I am my father are one, and you and I are one, and anyone that believes in me, my father and I will come and we will make our abode in or with that believer, right? So we have to start getting a bigger picture here of how God is in us. He is with us. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this requires you to believe, to live by faith that That's, God is with you. This is really interesting to me because what's coming to mind is something that in like Christian circles is said all the time with like I'm 
you know, I'm not as close to God as I once was. You can't was, get no closer. How do you get two buckets inside away. one another? And, um, you know, I heard someone say the other day, um, I lost my train of thought. I heard someone say the other day, you know, that um, where in the Bible it says, you know, draw, draw, what is, uh, what is it? Draw closer to me and I will. Draw close to um, me or draw near to me and I'll draw near to yes. you. Yes. Yeah. And so they were saying the first step is for you to draw near to him. Like the, yeah, the, yeah. the ball is in your That's court. That's not true though. And so, but we hear all the time in Christian circles, we hear, you know, I feel so far from God or, you know, I, I walked away from him or I'm yeah. coming, you know, I'm, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. But that it's, it's interesting to me because that kind of puts your relationship with God on a scale. It does. You know, or on a, on a spectrum, I right. think would, would maybe be a better, you know, where like right. you're in the center and based on how you act, God moves further away from you. Right. You know, or even if you want to reverse that, you know, where maybe God is the center and based on how you act or what you do or how often you go to church or, you know, whatever, you're further and further away from him. But if he is inside of you, then right. that can't be the case because it he's an be internal case. source and not an external. Either what Jesus said is is or it isn't. It's either true or it's not true. That's what I mean to say. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, along those lines, I think that I'm fixing to take this podcast in a direction that I wasn't 100% sure I was prepared to do yet. So, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you are saved, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Okay. So, what's the gift of God? The grace of God, the faith, and the salvation. It's a package deal. Salvation comes by grace through faith. It's the gift. So the gift of God is all three of these things cohabitating and working together to bring salvation, right? Okay, so too many times Christianity has become like other religions in that we have to work some sort of thing or formula or process or whatever, and we have to achieve closeness with God. Okay? The truth is, God is always with you. He is always listening and always speaking in one form or another. This is a very interesting line of thought, and what that kind of made me think about was in human terms, we, we, we put our human characteristics on God. Mm-hmm. And we put our human attributes on God. Emotions. And so we do. And so where, you know, in like a marriage relationship, yeah. like we were arguing on the way over here. Sure were. <laughs> and in a marriage relationship or a parent-child relationship or a friendship or whatever, when you get into like doing things that the other person doesn't like, your feelings get hurt mm-hmm. and our natural inclination because of the sin nature Mm-hmm. is to want to run away, is to want to, like, walk away or to get really angry. And then we feel immediately, like, 
There's you know, a distance like there is, you know, yes. And so, you know, like on the way over here, we were arguing and then suddenly there feels like there's this distance, mm-hmm. you know, but we, 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 we attribute those things to God where, okay, well, right. I did something wrong. I hurt him and now he's going to pull away from me. Right. And that's not the case at but all. See, he doesn't have the emotions like that. His emotions are not unredeemed. You know, that's good. His emotions, he doesn't feel feelings the way that we feel those feelings. Now, he gave us these emotions mm-hmm. and they are similar oh. to his Ooh, anger, joy, happiness. Right. I mean, there's there's but scriptures in the Bible create... talking about God singing, laughing and all of these things. They never create a withdrawal effect. But no, no, he doesn't withdraw from us. He does not pull away. All of the things that Christians use, all of the uh, scriptural references to God, of, of uh, I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, you see, they could not, they, the temple was set up in three compartments, basically. There was an outer court, an inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And general population, so long as you were in the covenant of Abraham, whether you were a proselyte, because you didn't have to be Hebrew lineage to live for God. If you were a proselyte, you could come into the temple. Proselyte means that you converted to basically, uh, they didn't have Judaism then, but basically Judaism at that Mm -hmm. point. The way that it was then, it's totally different today. But uh, you could go into the inner court or the outer court and the inner court, but you could not go into the Holy Holies. And I don't know if the proselytes could even go in the inner court. I don't think you could. But there was three stages to get to the presence of God, and only certain people qualified to enter into the next level and get close to God. The Only the high priest could go in behind the veil, right, in the Holy of Holies, and perform only one person was allowed to go. So anyway, there was works that had to be done to get close to God. Mm-hmm. And if the high priest went in there and was not covered by the blood of not literally, but right. But there was a there's a blood barrier sacrifice, there. Yeah. That sacrifice, that blood then he was a a dead man. Because literally. the presence of God would be so powerful that the sin in that man could not withstand his presence if there was not a barrier of that blood of that animal that was sacrificed, right? So anyway, and then we get all of these uh, ideas from the Old Testament. I'll give you another example. In the Old Testament— there was only three people that were actually anointed by, well, three people. Yeah, three people actually anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come on them to do a task, and then he would leave them, right? So the king, he was tasked to be the king, anointed to do that. Mm-hmm. The priest, anointed to do that, mm-hmm. to do this, to the priestly duties, and the prophet, the mouthpiece of God. Mm-hmm. Now, <coughs> forgive me. 
each one of those people would experience the presence of the Holy Spirit through his anointing to do the task, but when the task was done, he would lift, right? David, during the time where he was fooling around with somebody else's wife and had a baby, uh, actually Solomon's was the second baby, uh, but the first baby, they lost it because of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the things that they had done to get to that point. But anyway, uh, one of the Psalms that he wrote around that time was take not your spirit from me. Okay. And that is an old Testament stance. It is it was a different covenant, mm-hmm. a covenant under the law that was given at Sinai, and that covenant had stipulations. If you do this, I'll do this. If you don't do this, then I won't do this. If you keep my commandments, you'll be blessed. If you do not keep my commandments, you will be cursed. And the curse and sin always brings death, right? But under the new covenant. Under the new covenant in Jesus, God never leaves you nor forsakes you. And so in the Old Testament, when you did something that was uh, contrary to the law, it brought a curse. And the Spirit of God would and could leave you. And you had to do certain works to enter into His presence. Today, you don't. As a Christian, as a believer, all the time, all the time. He never leaves you. Now, whether well, you're listening to that or not. Well, you know, what about... I should say we, whether we're listening right. to that or not. Well, what about sin? What about sin doesn't separate you anymore? Oh, well, that's not what I've been taught. Well, it's well, too bad. That's what the word says, though. Too bad. Because <laughs> those that are in Christ, uh, James says they don't sin. Well, what do you mean? Pull that. You don't, you don't have the same... It's not... The sin that once separated people no longer separates them from God in Christ. If you are in Christ, too much religion is about, I'm a good person. God should bless me. God should give me his presence. I should honor God. I should bring, you know, honor to God by my right living. Listen, I'm not teaching against right living. But your right living is directly affected by your right believing. If you do not believe well, it will affect how you be- how do you behave. Now, I'm not talking about if you, you know, uh, you'll live in sin if you don't strive for holiness. You don't have to strive for holiness. You've got the Holy One living in you. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go make go ahead and make a statement. You are the holy of holies in the New Testament. God lives in you. He lives in me. We are the building blocks as the body of Christ of the temple of God. Right. There's this big push in... in, uh, Well, it says in multiple places, know ye not that you are the temple of God. Don't you know? Another way to say it, don't you know that you're the temple of God? Don't you know? Or know you not? Don't you know? What are you doing running around with them 
temple prostitutes. Don't you know that you're the temple of God? You know? And that's the point I'm trying to make is, is that we're not waiting for a third temple. We're not waiting for, you know... Let's get let's make let's go back to an, an earlier point. In the Jewish religion, you have to have a temple to get close to God. That's why they go to the Western Wall, and because just God like the Buddhists external. do, they stuff their prayers in the cracks of the walls and stuff like that. Everything's outside. Everything's external. They need that temple to make the sacrifice to atone for their sin. And yet, that system is over. It's been over since 70 A.D. when Titus destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, was it Titus? But it was, was it so Titus? interesting because we were in we were in Jerusalem in March, April, maybe. April, sometime mm-hmm. in March, early April, and it was so <clears throat> excuse me, so very. And I hadn't thought about it until now, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go and you go to the Wailing Wall. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there are people of many different religions. But you see the people who are Jewish. And, you know, you see people, like, writing their prayers and stuffing them in the wall. And people, you know, leaned against it. Mm-hmm. Or walking in front of it. Yes. Or- and, you know, crying and praying. And the thing is, is that for these people... They believe that the, well, what is now a a mosque is where the Holy of Holies is. And that wall. That's where it's supposed to be. Right. That that wall is essentially the closest that they can get to it. Right. Without starting some kind of war. Right. And so there's such a sadness there. Like, I mean, there's not, it was not an uplifting environment at all i wasn't uplifted the entire time we were there people go there and they're like oh this is the greatest (laughs) and i was like this is disney world man that's a whole other topic and a whole other podcast but while we were like when we went to the wailing wall and i mean there's people wailing i mean it's very sad and Mm -hmm. you can get you uh, an ephod or a yarmulke you know, you get one coming in, you leave it when you come out. It's very... It's just, it's not, it's so sad because at that point, the people who were, for, for the people who were there, Christ does not live inside of them. God no. does not live inside of them. And the closest that they can physically get to him is on that wall. Is that wall. That's and why they that stuff wall. their prayers in it. And even that is just in their minds and their hearts, it's still so far away from the place where they feel like they could really and most appropriately worship him. And yet we as Christians have him living on the inside of us and we ignore him in favor of going to a mental, right. A mental (laughs) wall. Right. Or, 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 you know, emotional wall. And yes, it's, it is like we create and, and it's almost like an idol. We it create, is an idol, We though. create this exactly mental and emotional wailing wall where, like, if we can just do this or if I can just be here in this place, if I just go to church enough, then I'll be closer well, to let's, God. Let's if I just pick on our own kind, then. 
if I can get up to the front and lay on the floor and holler and wail and flip and flop and I got big tears and I turn circles and I wave the the color guard flag and stuff like that across the we're charismatic people if you didn't know <laughs> we okay. would be called charismatic so I mean we got the color guard we got the we got the, what's the horn and the, the shofar the shofar and that's we not got, to oh say oh my god the shofar <laughs> listen can we Stop. please put the ram horn up please that is not to say that the hearts <laughs> behind some of these people is oh, not no, good and not it's not point, to say though. that these things are not being done to honor God but when we get to a point where we feel like we cannot be close to him without doing these things or yes. or and this is for a completely different podcast I'm saying anyway when we get to the point where we're doing that just as a show for other people yes you know, we, we've so kind of they'll think we're close to God. Correct. We want to be close to God so bad, right? But we know we have this sin that we, or uh, for example, there's a lot of uh, for majority of Christians they've got something that they're ashamed of, sure. some sort of sin, whether sure. they're angry all the time, whether they cuss, whether they drink, or whether they smoke or whatever. I've met some wonderful people that are Christian people and they smoke cigarettes. I mean, I mean I'm just using this example. Mm-hmm. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying like uh, I I don't know. Uh one of the biggest Christian sins, one of the pet sins is not that. It's oh. it's it's overeating. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen. Stay we cracker dance, barrel, y'all. We may not drink, we may not smoke, but boy, watch we're out for that buffet. We're going to we, we hit them in the chicken when we get yeah, to the buffet, you know what I'm saying? And then we're going to leave them a 50%, or 50 cent tip. I, we won't even get on that. But the point <laughs> is, like for Christians, we may not, you know, run circles around a black rock at, 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 uh, like the Muslims do, you know, black cube. We may not go, we may not pray to the, What's the, is it the West or the East they pray to? I don't Anyway, that West, I think, we don't pray five times a day to get close to God. Some people should pray. Yeah, but man, just what saying. if we were as devout as the Muslims? Yeah, Christians but see, that's were. the thing, though. Devout, what does that even mean when Dedicated, it comes to the fact? Devoted. To, when it, okay, uh, how about we be devoted to the, to the idea that God lives in us and that we don't have to pray an hour a day in a closet somewhere, we can pray all day while we're driving down the road. We'll do an episode on the power well, of quick prayers. Oh, soon. listen, listen, people are like, oh, I pray over the food. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Thank you that it's blessed in Jesus' name. People are like, oh, short and sweet. That's because everybody wants to pray for China. And for the fried chicken and for the, the pygmies down in New Guinea and stuff like that. They want to pray for everything at the dinner table. I have whole questions about why we bless our food. Huh? But, well, it's more about being thankful than it is to bless it, you know. But yeah, Jesus but nobody's blessed Nobody's ever thankful food. for it. <laughs> okay. How about those people? This is way off topic. How about the people that they pray, oh, thank you, God, for this food? And then they complain about it because it was overcooked, undercooked, time. didn't taste good, no salt, too much salt. You know, is you grateful or is you not grateful? Well, nobody here's they're not liars. They didn't say they were grateful for it. They just asked the Lord to bless it. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> Jesus prayed over his food. That's I feel like that that's good enough for me. So, uh, but what I'm saying is okay. Yeah, but you used to do these really long prayers, and I still like I still. This is, I, I still pray your prayer from like when we started dating, got before we had the screaming hungry kids at the table. But 
when you pray that prayer still, you people are like, my was long-winded, wasn't it? <laughs> what do you yeah. want? <laughs> well, I mean, I believe that if you're going to pray prayers, pray them with scripture in there. You know, we got a lot of music out there. They ain't got a lick of scripture in it, but it sure is spiritual. Now, you know what I'm saying? We got a lot of prayers that ain't got no scripture in it, but boy, brother so-and-so can pray them under the table. Yeah, but it's full of unbelief, doubt, fear, That's why it's under the table. Garbage, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's under the table, all right. No, but, okay, so in, in some, like, uh, in Buddhism, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they pray to, to Buddha, not as a god, but as like a, like a, a guide, a guru almost. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, in idol worship and stuff, you still have to do things to honor God. You have to do things to get close to God. And if you don't do these things, then God is not going to bless you. Cause ultimately that's what we want anyway is to be blessed. We want to be blessed with his presence. We want to be blessed with relationship. We want to be blessed with food, money, clothes, healthy children, healthy bodies, mm-hmm. you know, success, uh, honor, fame, uh, not, maybe not fame, but like respect. Yeah, but we still, you know? when, when, for so many Christians, when we don't see those things, it's, it, it becomes a, okay, well, what did I do wrong? That what did I do wrong? This? Nothing. You didn't do anything wrong. What could I have done? Or, you know, what what did I do wrong that made us, oh, we're sick. Oh, I must have sinned. No, maybe you just licked the wrong thing. <laughs> licked somebody's dirty spoon or something. I, I'm just saying, maybe your children were chewing on toys from, you know, from the in, church at the nursery. daycare. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Leave your babies at the house. If they're sick, don't bring them to church. But some people don't know they're sick. I'm just saying. But, like, they go to school, they get some kind of disease, <laughs> then they go to church, and then disease. they pass it along to homeschoolers. But anyway, <laughs> all I'm trying to say is, is that let's, like, for example, you know, we're always trying to strive to please God because we want that blessing. We want to be close to Him. But the truth is, we're not ever not close to Him. I'm going to read some scripture. I'm crying right now. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, let's see. Did I go far enough back? In in the 10th chapter of Romans, it says, in verse 6, we're going to read a little bit. Wait, what version are you reading out of? King James. Okay. You know, the, the, the one, holy version. Yeah, the only one for anybody, you know. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise... Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Okay, let's go back up a little bit. Who is to bring, who is to, 
Wait, when you say go back up a little bit. To verse 6. Okay, but what chapter are we in? Chapter 10. That's not I didn't I say read. that. Uh, you might have. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. 10 verse 6, and it went all the way through 11. Now, it says, you know, uh, who's going to go to heaven? That's to bring Christ down from above. Or who's going to go down to hell or to the deep? So, in other words, you don't have to go to heaven to interact with God. You don't have to go to some low place to find him there. (coughs) You know, he is with you. It says the word is nigh you, okay? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We know that's Jesus. The Word of faith which we preach, the truth about Jesus, you know, you don't have to climb the highest mountain. You don't have to get a submarine and go down there uh, uh, and, and try to find God in the depths. You don't have to go to Israel to find God. You don't have to make a trip, a pilgrimage. You don't have to go to, you don't have to go to church. It's recommended. It's good. I mean, where are you going to find fellow believers, you know, to interact? I mean, any, any, any type of organization, any type of belief system always will tell you to get around other people that believe the way you do. Okay. It's, it's healthy for you so you don't feel alone, you know. So go to church, but you don't have to. You don't even have to have a pastor. You don't. You're going to upset some folks. Listen, you don't have to. It's good because that man will pray for you or whatever, that woman or whatever. They will pray for you. Uh, a lot of them will. You know, some of them are there for the job. Uh, they... You know they they look after uh, the Bible talks about how you know they can look, they will look after you, your soul. You know, give them respect. Those people that are uh, like leadership, you know, give them respect because they're there to support you, to look after you, to help encourage you. You know, there's a lot of pastors that do a ton of counseling, or they go, they spend a lot of their time to organize a message so that it benefits the congregation, and helps them in their life. So pastors are good, but you don't have to have one, okay? You don't have to have, you know, uh, uh, you don't have to have a mentor. It's good to have one, but you don't need one to get close to God. Showing respect and honor to your pastor on Pastor Appreciation Day does not necessarily give honor to God. It honors your pastor, who is a gift from God, but it doesn't technically honor God, and it doesn't get you any brownie points with God. Not with God. God. It gets you some with your pastor. With your pastor? <laughs> you know, anytime you give your pastor a few hundred dollars, he appreciates that. You know, <laughs> I appreciate that. But what I'm saying is, is like, it's not going to get you any closer to God to do right or to do wrong. You can't, as so long as you believe, you know, and as you believe correctly, it will affect your behavior. It's just a natural, you know, in the Bible, we are, when you see trees in the Bible, 
especially in like prophecy or visions or something like that, it's always people. Trees bear fruit. Anybody that, uh, you know, uh, what's that, Psalms? Is that Psalm 1 or 103? I don't know. I don't know what you're going to say. What he's talking about, I think it's one. He said, you know, you don't sit in this, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scornful and stuff like that. You know, uh, but in the law of the Lord, we delight. And in in that law, we meditate day and night. We'll be like a tree Mm -hmm. planted by rivers of water. We'll bring forth fruit in our season. Our leaf shall not wither. Well, we don't have the law anymore, but we have Jesus and believing in Jesus. You see, that is our that is our commandment to believe in Jesus. Okay, when you believe in Jesus, you become that tree planted by the living waters. Your fruit uh, comes in in that season. Your leaf does not wither. The thing is, is that we've been told by theology, by seminary, by Bible college, by preachers that just took the job. And by tradition, that if we don't do X, Y, and Z, then we're not going to be productive members of the body of Christ. That God is going to be angry with us. That God is not go- is going to turn His back on us. Or and then on the other hand, they're like, "Oh, God would never turn His back on you." But if you don't tithe, you won't be blessed. We're going to talk about that. And that is a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. If you give anything, it's because you were blessed first. You don't have to perform to get anything out of God. Those things are are built on the premise that to grow closer to something, you have to be far away from it. You can only grow closer to something that you are not near. You can't. Right. You know, like you, like I'm. My, our feet are touching right now. Our feet can't get any closer. Right. So we have the premise that, like, if I move my foot way over here, then my foot has to do something to get closer to you. Right. But if God is living on the inside of us and the word says Where's that it he gonna is, go? then he has, you know, and we have all of these. <clears throat> um, you're going to enjoy this coming from me, but I don't say this often. We have all of these songs, mm-hmm. and it, it it you have all of these songs, and then you know when the service is over, the songs you know, Holy Spirit come rest on us, and um, you know when the Holy Spirit comes into the room, and mm-hmm. and all of these things, and then afterward, you know, boy, the Holy Spirit sure fell today, right? Well. Wherever there is... Lord, come down. Yes. Where did he go? Come down. Yeah. And the truth is, is that as a body of believers, if you've got, you know, a group of people in a room, some of the times where, you know, I have just... And and you do, you know, there are times when, when you have gotten together in a group of people and you have truly yielded to the the move of the spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit, yeah. there is a feeling. It is almost tangible. However, that right. doesn't mean that when you don't have that feeling that he wasn't there. Well, if you walked around looking for a feeling all the time, where's the faith in that? Right. 
if we're supposed to live by faith, if the just shall live by faith, and without faith it's impossible to please God, I mean, to please God, if he gave you a feeling all the time, right? you know, people would be like, well, why doesn't God show himself? Well, that's not how he works here. If God showed himself, you wouldn't believe it anyway. Look at the people that Jesus came to. Right. The Bible actually says that. If, if God revealed himself in a physical manner to people, they wouldn't believe he was God. Also, they would die. Well, I mean, well, if I they were sinners. Well, I, have, mm-hmm. hold on, I have a question here. And I'm asking this because I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you might. So I'm going to ask it. And it might be a stupid question. But um, in the temple, people had to be covered by the sacrificial blood. Mm-hmm. Or the, like the priest had to be covered essentially mm-hmm. by the sacrificial blood to enter into the Holy of Holies. Um, you know, and God told a couple of people, like, you can't see me directly because you would die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. So if God were to reveal himself physically to people, would they die? Well, okay, so if you're covered in the blood, then I wouldn't say so. And and that's not a direct thing anyway. Well, it's not a direct thing. It's you, the blood, and God. <laughs> oh, I see. So what there's you're a lens there. Regardless. I just my brain just kind of went there for a second. So, but see, here's the thing, though. We rabbit trail. God Sorry. lives in us. If that was the case, then we would all all Christians once they believed in God, He made His habitation in them. They would just be done. I see. You see, and so we we have to understand that we're not out trying to track God down. We're not trying to get to God in some way, right. shape, or form. And the Bible says that we can't sin, that our sins can't separate us from him. Well, this, okay. So the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life, life. in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? So it says the wages of sin is of death, but the gift of God is life in Christ. It's eternal life. This is a paraphrase, y'all. So, all you scholars out there, <clears throat> this is the, the Southern thing, English version. The thing is, right, is that once you're in Christ, there is absolutely nothing that can separate you, because if they, if you could be separated from God at that point then the blood of Jesus is inferior to sin. That's good. Say that again. If you could be separated from God once you're in Christ, by anything, once you're in Christ, if you could be separated from God at that point, then then the blood of Jesus Christ is inferior to sin. Well, what if it was my decision? Your decision to walk away from God is sin. That's a sinful action, okay? That's to say that your will is greater than Christ. That's to say that sin is greater than Christ. You see, you cannot, once you have put your faith in him, you cannot be separated from him. God doesn't just (coughs) make his abode in somebody and then be like, oh, oh, 
This place is just, ooh, I can't stand to be here no more. There's cockroaches. <laughs> I, can't just do it. I just can't do it. I, the walls hadn't been wiped down. I'm leaving. No, he doesn't do that. And see, in the Old Testament, that if you touched a dead body, it made you unclean. A woman, during her time of the month, she was unclean for that time and then another seven days, if I'm not mistaken. If you touched a leper, you were unclean. If you ate something that unclean. was not prescribed for you, for you by the law, then you were unclean. But when Jesus came, he touched the leper. The leper got clean. He touched the dead. The dead got clean. They raised up. Right. Instead of the unclean making him unclean. He is he. superior to uncleanness. He's un- he is superior to sin. Sin could not keep him. The Bible says he was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He has conquered all sin. I don't there's one thing about being being sinful. There's a whole other thing about being made sin. God made him to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's very interesting because sin would be the complete and total opposite of holiness. Right. And so with the holiness being perfect. Right. And then for him to be made sin and all of the things that come with sin. Right. The death, the... Sickness, sickness, poverty, the anguish, the curse. To take all of that on himself for every person who had ever been and every right. person who ever would be. Right. All sin, all of my sin, your sin, everybody's sin that's live today for the last 2,000 years, all our sin was future. All of our sins were future. Okay? Jesus... When he, was, when he was crucified and raised from the dead, he eliminated sin, past, present, and future. And for those that are in Christ, sin, they are dead to sin and alive unto Christ. As the Bible says in chapter 6 of Romans, it says, you are no longer under the law, but you're under grace. You are dead to sin. You are alive unto God. You're alive unto righteousness. In other words, there is nothing about sin that can keep you from God. You are, you, you're dead to the consequence of sin because the consequence of sin is death hell, the grave, all of this. In Christ, you've been immune to that. You, you are, you're exonerated from that. In Christ, the reason why you can live healthy is because sickness and disease is a result of sin. Adam and Eve, there's no record of them ever being sick. Okay? When Jesus came and was incarnate on this earth, the Word of God manifested in, this, in a physical body, he spent a third of his ministry healing. So we know that sickness is not from God. Another part, 
He raised people from the dead, so death is not from God. He provided for people, so poverty is not from God. He didn't just provide for them. He had an abundance over. And we say, well, they needed something to eat. They were hungry. Well, what about the wine? They were turning water into wine. There was an abundance of that wine. It was the first miracle he ever did. After he'd been anointed by the Holy Ghost. It was first one recorded. That's the first one he ever did. That was his, and it was to turn water into wine. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't work some great, I mean, it was great. Don't get me wrong. But it it wasn't raising from the dead or something. It wasn't some kind of spectacular thing that we would think, oh, you know, but it was still, it was still, it was God, him establishing himself as superior over mm-hmm. nature sure, to turn something that was not wine into wine. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't get no more bland than water, <laughs> you see. But what I'm saying is, is that in Christ, the wages of sin are no longer accounted to you. You, as a believer in him, are dead to sin. So as a You're believer dead. in him, without that separation and with him living inside of you, you don't have to try to get closer to him. You can't get closer. You don't have to try to earn the blessings that come you can't earn them. with him being inside of you. Right. You can reject them, which is essentially okay. what people are doing when they're it's exactly not living in that or not walking in those things because of the and, and what it is is shame. The devil comes against us in shame and, and <laughs> yep. lies to us, and that's the yep. thing. He is the father of lies, and he lies, yep. and he says, oh, well, you sinned, and the Lord is upset with you. There's no way. You sinned, and God doesn't want to give you his best because you aren't giving him your best. There's no, yeah, you and can't. that is not how it works. He lives inside of you. He right. is inside of you. And because of that, the things, if we are hearkening unto, if we are listening to him inside of us, mm-hmm. then the things that come out of us are going to be him. Right. And yet when they're not, that doesn't mean that he has just up and left. It just means right. that you're not listening. Well, there that, and it's also, it takes training. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes a lot of training. It takes a. This is why the Bible teaches to to uh, um, renew our mind. Mm-hmm. What are we renewing our mind to? Okay, you know uh, we move in circles that believe in healing, speaking in other tongues, and all those things. But those things are those are results of what has already been done. God is not going to do any more than He has already done because it was perfect. Jesus is perfect. His redemption is perfect. His taking on sin, being made sin, we didn't just carry it on his back. He was made to be sin, that we might be made to be righteous in him, his righteousness. We belong to him. We, he lives in us. We abide in him. He share. we occupy in heaven, in, 
in the throne room of God, you've got God, and on the right hand, you've got Jesus. But in Jesus, there's we. There's us. We're there. We occupy the same space as he does. You can't get closer than that. I just feel so far away. So what? Your feelings are what? I, I feel. Well, I feel. Well, so what? Well, it's just so hard. I said, I understand. That's because you don't believe right. Your believing will affect your feelings. Your believing will affect your behavior. So what do we need? We need right believing. We don't need Masonic seminary theology. Not Messianic, I say. We don't need that. We need what's true. We need the, what the Bible says. And we need to read the Old Testament through the light of the New Testament, not the New Testament through the light of the Old Testament. We have theologically been inundated with a mixed theology between two covenants. One covenant we were never a part of as Gentiles. Right, even Never. if it still stood today, we wouldn't be a part of that. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with us. If the if the Hebrews or the Jews or the Israel Israelis or Israelites or whatever established a new temple and began a sacrificial system, we wouldn't be grafted into that. Eighty percent of the American church would be right in line over there to be cutting up animals, and I'm serious. It's I, sad. I know, I know, but because we talk Why? about this often, Why it would still they do would that? not have anything to do with us. Though it has nothing to do with because us because we were not. They can burn all the calves and the bulls and the red heifers. They want to. It got nothing to do with us. But eighty percent of Christendom would be over there, right in line, burning them up with them. Why? And still living in the same sinful nature. You can't. And not only that, let me talk about this. Let me give a fair warning because I got like seven, six minutes left on this podcast. <laughs> let me warn you. If they ever built a temple, if they ever started sacrificing again, don't, as a Christian, don't you dare go over there and start joining the fun. Don't do it. Because Hebrews strictly warns us, Anybody that has tasted the good gifts of God and turns away from Jesus, you can't bring them back to repentance. There is no more sacrifice for sin. You better jump in now in Christ because there is no more sacrifice for sin. He is the one and only sacrifice for sin. You cannot go back and use the blood of bulls and goats to, to atone for your sin. It is over. Or your good works. No good works. But that's all that is, is works. But there, my personal opinion is that's not ever going to happen. Not without a bloody war. And, you know, I'm just saying. That's my opinion. I don't care what the future say. I don't care what the predators. I don't care. <clears throat> There is no more sacrifice for sin. You cannot go back to the old sacrificial system. You can't. That's why God got rid of it. Because he knew if it was in the way, it's just like the body of Moses. He had to bury Moses because he knew 
people would be lining up around that shrine to pray to Moses, to pray to God for them. Well, people line up around shrines to pray well, for well, well, You know what Pastor Manning used to say? He said, one finger, I'll be back. <laughs> Two fingers, might be a minute. Five fingers, I ain't coming I don't know back. who Pastor Manning is, <laughs> but one day... We're going to get Pastor Manning One day. Oh, that would be great. To zoom in here on this podcast. We might just. He'd be sitting in a chair. We'll fly him in and let him sit in this chair. Because (laughs) he is one of our favorite humans on the planet. And has such an incredible grasp on the word of God. (laughs) And we just love him. We would just bring him in just to talk to him, just to be near him. Because he's our people and we love him so much. That's right. So if he's on the Facebook. Pastor Manning. You got to talk to Miss Margaret. Pastor ain't on Facebook. Oh, Pastor ain't on Facebook. (laughs) Miss Margaret. Now listen. What I'm trying to say is, the bottom line is, is there is no work you could do to ever drive God away or bring him closer. You can't do it. You could. So in light of that, though, how are we to live? We by know. faith. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I'm, uh, well, Break it down. We need to start rethinking our theology. I'm not saying go through a deconstruction period and just lose it completely and wind up like some of these people, which is really sad. What I'm saying is, is we need to really say, okay, why do we believe? I'm doing this right now with the end times. Why do we believe what we believe about the end times? Why does 90% of Christians or 95% of Christians believe what we believe, especially the evangelicals? Why do we believe in that? Well, Jesus said it. It's a yeah, but did he? Did he say it the way that you understand it? Or are we going off of Mr. Darby's theology? We just have to, we have to stop. We have to take the word at face value and stop attributing our human feelings and our human thoughts and our human emotions to the relationship that we have with God. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like, it's not like, human emotions where we anger him and he walks away or where we right. or we have to be afraid of him all the way where we anger him and and I'll say this because <clears throat> I've been married to Will for a long time now Thir- is that right 13 years yeah now. I think 13 years <laughs> something like that and there's a point well I mean there's never been a point where I was concerned that he would walk away mm-hmm and so for for 13 years now, if we've argued, then there was never a point where there, there's always like a feeling of distance. And I use I use this because we are married. I use this example mm-hmm. because God uses marriage as an example mm-hmm. over and over again as an example of the covenant that he cut with us. But there's never been a point in our marriage where we argued or were upset with each other and I was concerned right. you were going to walk away. Now well, I that's felt never that been there an was, option. Well, right. But I've never, I'm, you know, you always feel this, this emotional distance. Right. But. And yet when we go to bed, our feet still touch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, yes. But that's the thing is that with God, that emotional That's how you know everything's okay when them cold feet come over here and touch you. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, we're all right. <laughs> we're going to be okay. <laughs> that emotional distance doesn't exist with you and with God. Nope. And that is, you know, you if you in you know in the example of the marriage, if you remove that feeling of emotional distance and just take that right. underlying knowing that I've always have right. 
that like we're not going anywhere. Like at the end of it, like are we upset with each other? Sure. Yep. Did we hurt each other? Sure. But at the end of it, like we're still going to go get coffee and our feet are going to touch at the end of the day. That's right. You know, and we're going to wake up in the morning and everything's going to be fine. That's right. And so you remove that human emotion you have out of it and you still have that underlying covenant with God. Right. Well, last thought is that, you know, along those lines, as far as like marriage and and, uh, divorce and all of that stuff, in God's mind, there's no option for divorce. He is not proponent of divorce. If you've had a divorce, that's we're not talking about that. We're talking about for him, he will never break that. Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. And Jesus is not interested he doesn't in break separation. His he honors his covenants always. Always. We, and see, we can't even use like Hosea and Gomer as an example because that's an example of God and Israel at that time. Okay. That's not an example of Christ in the church. Christ in the church is Christ died for us. He laid down his life for us, and we submit to him. Mm-hmm. That's the example given to us for the marriage between Christ and the bride. So God, God does not put us away. No. He does not separate himself. He is not distant. He is inside and close to us. At we occupy time. the same space. Okay, and that's it. Now, this has been the Cultivated Grace Podcast. We really appreciate everybody that's listened to it, going to listen to it. We appreciate Daniel for helping us with it. And that's it. Thank you, guys.